Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't, but I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, everybody, I am so excited to kick off this episode because today we have the talented Tess Finkel joining us to discuss her journey as founder of the communications and creative marketing company, Metro Public Relations. So what I love about Tess's story and what I think makes her such an incredible guest to bring on is that she started Metro PR in her early 20s with no connections, no clients, and no plan. But today, Metro PR is now a bi-coastal agency that represents global brands, social media platforms, studios, and creators. In addition to her work in publicity, Tess is also the founder of her own beauty brand, Y Cosmetics, which began as a passion project and way to create collaborations between female-owned businesses. Tess will be sharing today her story on how she started about Metro PR and Y Cosmetics and what she learned about her companies during the pandemic. I am really looking forward to you all hearing from her, so you know what to do. Turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Tess, I am so excited to chat with you, and I, I am just so interested to hear about your journey with Metro Public Relations, and then also your venture into beauty. So thanks for coming on to chat. Oh, well, thank you so much for making the time for me and saying yes. You know, that's that was very nice of you. Of course. So, nice. yeah. so how have you been during the pandemic? I, I could imagine, especially in the PR world, I mean, it's the pandemic made things really crazy. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> um, I'll say this before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and now I don't know what phase we're in, to be honest, but, mm-hmm. but before it, I would always say like, everything's a house of cards. Right. So it's like, as the company grew and, um, you know, as we found more success and, uh, and carried on our path, um, I never took anything for granted, you know, and I've never gotten comfortable, which in certain ways is good. I think other ways in learning wasn't good. Um, But I always say everything's a house of cards, meaning like don't get too comfortable. Don't take it for granted. Um, You know, you have to keep working hard. Yes, you just signed this big thing. And yes, you just leveled up your game, you know, more than you have in the last few years. Keep going, you know, because it could all go away like anything can happen. And then I feel like the pandemic was that anything can happen moment, you know, and when, um, when it first really started to take over the news cycle in early 2020, um, you know, I have this moment of like, oh, is this the thing that's going to be the house of cards I've been talking about? Like, is it going to take us out? You know? Um, And that was a real thought. I I, I don't want to think that, I don't want anyone to think that, you know, I didn't feel vulnerable in that way. I think a lot of, like a lot of people did. Um, and within the first few weeks, I mean, we lost so many contracts that were tied to events, right? We do a ton of different conferences and conventions. We have clients with, you know, projects at film festivals and, and it was really scary. You know, it was really, really scary. And then about 
six weeks or so into just kind of this like ongoing parade of like cancellations and, you know, our contracts being voided, um, it kind of bottomed out. And what happened, which was really interesting and I guess fortuitous for us was I think a lot of people realized that their PR companies um, maybe weren't as creative as they needed to be to help clients stay in a very competitive news cycle. I mean, last year's news cycle was really about the pandemic. It was about the election. It was about racial injustice. And if you weren't uh, connected to either of those three things, it you really needed a creative team around you to keep you relevant, even it's if it's directly to your audience and not necessarily through traditional press. And so when a lot of companies had this realization, we just had so many people calling us and knocking on our door. And so we heard you guys are really, really creative and think outside the box and, you know, all the things that we really need right now to stay relevant. And so we ended up doubling both in size and revenue last year because of this wave of business that came in of people wanting to be with a team that was just really non-traditional and we are very non-traditional. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so overall I'm good. Uh, I definitely at the end of last year, was just like, what, what just happened? Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we also, our company played a pretty heavy hand in some, uh, election work that was, that was very, um, it was very draining, but also very, rewarding in a lot of ways. Um, and then this year came and I, I don't want to say I'm desensitized to it cause I'm not, but it's just kind of like more of settling into acceptance of like, this is what's happening. And we're on, um, on our way to double again this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, I can, can only imagine, I mean, with an election, a social movement, um, and then also just a global pandemic, which we have never encountered truly anything like it to mm-hmm. its magnitude before. I mean, mm-hmm. it it made for a pretty interesting year. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it really changed media, first of all, how we consume media, but also how we go about it. Um, mm-hmm. And with press, I mean, just I know with podcasts, it changed the whole way of doing things. You know, it went from in-person interviews to then virtual. But I think I, I'm a look at the glass half full kind of girl. And I said, well, like, if anything, it's been wonderful being able to branch out. And now that everybody uses Zoom, everybody uses Teams, all these different platforms, um, you're able to reach people in such a wide variety of places and interact with people probably outside of, you know, the bubble that you were in before. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's changed the way we do things, but I think in some ways it's also changed things for the better. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to have to ask you to teach me how to be a, a glasses half full type of gal. Maybe we could <laughs> save that for after this recording. I would love to learn how to do that. Um, <laughs> it's something that I've always kind of struggled with in certain ways. I am incredibly optimistic, but sometimes I catch myself being honestly jaded beyond my years. Um, but yeah, I actually really do agree with how Zoom has really opened up the world in certain ways. Like even from a hiring perspective, it was always like, you know, we have to look in LA or New York because that's where our footprint is. We are a PR agency. Um, and not to say that there aren't PR agencies elsewhere, but for the sort of clients we have, it is LA and New York. And with, um, with the pandemic and working remotely and Zoom, it was like, we got to kind of open up to the whole country and find people everywhere. And there's incredible talent 
all over, you know, and for the first time there was uh, an opportunity to make space for them at this company in a way that um, was definitely worked with our business. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great. And kind of to that point, you get a lot of different perspectives when you have people from all over the country, not just LA and New York, which is, I think, ultimately served both our clients, but I think our internal culture as well, just to have people on the team that are walking different walks of life in different pockets of the country. You know, it's cool. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess in terms of Metro, I'm, I'm curious. So how did it come about I always think it's interesting, you know, hearing how people get involved with their professions and especially when it comes to people going into public relations, but you ended up starting a public relations company. So I'm interested as to how that process came about. Um, did you have yeah. a background in PR? No, 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 no. I'm, as I'm getting older and as I mentioned, my birthday was yesterday. So I'm, I'm really definitely getting older. I'm realizing that the genesis of so much what I do stems from this combination of like interest and frustration. That's everything that, you know, that like, that's what gets me going. Um, I, I always felt indebted to the entertainment industry just because the television was my babysitter, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I was, I was so fascinated and, um, I, I just consume so much TV and so many films as a young person. And I just always felt this like calling to be a part of the machine. So I graduated from prep school, boarding school on the East Coast, and I came to Southern California. And um, it was expected of me to go to college. And, you know, my I, I come from a line of people that went to Ivy League and, um, you know, doctors, lawyers, that sort of thing. And um, it didn't feel right to me, but I was too young, I think, to verbalize that it didn't feel right to me, that path. So I ended up only applying to UC schools because I knew I wanted to be back in California. I needed to be closer to Disneyland, which is basically my Mecca. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, I, I, I can't say enough good things about Disneyland as someone that goes there. I'm sure, you know, everyone has different opinions, but um, so I ended up enrolling in school in Southern California, and I just knew the moment that I was dropped off. My, my dad drove me down there. I was like, man, this is so wrong. This is just so wrong. This isn't me at all. Like, I've, I'm tired of organized education. Like, I, I want to learn by doing. I, I wasn't convinced that, you know, to be a part of the Hollywood machine, I needed to be in a classroom or needed to learn from textbooks. You know, funny enough, I was actually pre-law, right? I did kind of surrender to that path. Um, but I had an, uh, I was able to get an internship at a production management company in LA and I would go a few times a week. That actually is a whole nother story. Maybe I'll try to weave into this one. Uh, but long story short, I ended up dropping out of school a couple months into it. Um, I did not tell my family in advance. I just knew that I needed to do it. Um, and, um, I didn't want them to try to talk me out of it. So uh, I withdrew and uh, they made it very clear that when I signed the paper, my dorm room was going to be given someone on a wait list and whatever. So um, I did that and I called my dad after and I was like, so you know how you were going to like put the tuition money into my bank account? I was like, well, you don't need to do that anymore. That was literally how I told him. And, uh, you know, ultimately I think the reason I have the backbone I do is because my dad is my biggest fan and I've can do no wrong in his eyes. Um, the rest of the family is a different story, but, um, 
so yeah, I was kind of cut off, you know, uh, even though my dad was as supportive as he could be the rest of, you know, that circle was not supportive at all. And I moved to LA when I was, uh, 18 and got a really shitty apartment <laughs> off sunset, but it was the best apartment because it was mine and I was alone. And um, that's kind of where it all started for me. I kept interning and dabbled in different internships. The first internship was at a production management company called Anonymous Content. And um, I thought it was a great place. Um, they had a really cool office in uh, Culver City. I don't know if they're still there. It was on National Boulevard. But my God, I was just so young. I was a teenager and uh, I was assigned to a talent manager there. I won't say his name because um, when I was there, he was going through a really, really bad breakup. And I loved it. Like he was in his late 20s. His girlfriend was in her late 40s, you know, and he was just kind of like, give me all the, and he was just smitten with her. I, I've been really going on a tangent, but, uh, and she just, destroyed him and he was going through this terrible breakup that he just stopped showing up for work and I was like well how hard could being a manager be so I would sit at his desk in his chair and I would get his clients auditions and I you know I just like send a fax you know um so but yeah I pretended to be a manager for a while and what I realized being there is that typically when you're a manager Unless you are one of the biggest managers at one of the biggest management companies, which at the time he was neither, uh, I would say anonymous content in the last 20 years has absolutely become one of the biggest entities. But at this point, they were still uh, very much on their climb. Um, unless you're the biggest at the biggest, talent is, for the most part, just going to leave you as soon as you break them, as soon as you break them through, you know, so I kind of thought, I don't necessarily want to sign up for this, you know. Uh, and then I ended up becoming a production assistant um, on uh, a sketch comedy show for Showtime. And working in production was was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, you're in a tiny little space, you know, for 15, 16 hours a day with mm -hmm. the same people. And there's like, there's just so much um, tension. The drama was off the charts. I felt like I was in this like soap opera to make a show. Um, and then I landed my first PR internship. And at the time you, you definitely needed to get college credit to be an intern because there was no such thing as a paid internship. Then now that has been deemed illegal and, uh, interns should absolutely be paid, but I, uh, I needed to be in school. And so I created a college. I created the university of Reseda because The Karate Kid's my favorite movie, or at least one of my favorite movies. And you're probably mm -hmm. too young to know about Daniel LaRusso, the kid, that boy from Reseda. Um, and I was like, what's wrong with Reseda? You know, he's just like a guy trying to, came here from Jersey. He's in the Valley. He didn't pick it. His mom picked it. Like, why are we, why are we mad at Reseda? <laughs> so, uh, and I, I listed, you know, uh, my friend's number. And sure enough, the PR company called uh, and I pretended to be my own Dean and I used a different voice. And as we know, I can do voices and accents and I got myself an internship and I'm not afraid to say that I stretched the truth to do it because I think it kind of boils down to grit. You know, if you want something and you're not necessarily harming anyone to get it, then you should do it. 
you know, if you want something, you should do it at pretty much any or all costs. Again, with the caveat that you're not hurting anybody, uh, which also includes yourself. You cannot hurt yourself in the process, which I didn't feel like I was. I felt like I needed to get my foot in the door. So uh, started interning at this PR company. And my very long winded point was I was interning nine, nine to six, Monday through Friday for this PR company. And they were the top three biggest PR companies at the time, since they have completely fallen from grace and disintegrated into nothing. And I will not say their name, but um, I worked for this woman there and she had said that when her current assistant gets promoted, she would hire me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to intern for, for free. Basically it's not their fault Mm -hmm. that I'm not actually getting college credit, uh, nine to six. And then I waited tables at California pizza kitchen all night. And that was my life. And, uh, I remember being at the takeout counter at CPK and someone that it was an assistant at the company came in and was like, you must be pissed. You must be so pissed. I'm like, why? Oh, um, I guess you didn't hear. So Jesse, who was her assistant got promoted and they filled the position with somebody else. And I mean, mind you, I was 18 at the time. And so my brain wasn't even properly developed and I was very emotional and I was just generally scared. Cause I was like out in the world with no safety net and like no money and nothing to fall back. And I, and I, I know I signed up for this, but it's scary. And I immediately stepped away from the takeout counter. I went into the back alley of the CBK. It's the one on Beverly drive. And, uh, I called her on my cell and I was crying, which, you know, (laughs) everybody has those phone calls, like in their career, you have that one phone call that just like it, 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 it just happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just have. So I called her. I was like sobbing. I can't, I mean, she picked up. Okay. I was sobbing. And I was like, I just found out, you know, that you did this to me. And, and she, she was not even remotely apologetic, which fine. That's Hollywood. Right. Um, and, um, you know, kind of was what it was. And, um, uh, And, uh, that was it. I, after that, I was like, I can't be in an industry with where people are so disingenuous and, you know, um, trash. And, uh, I was like, I'm just going to do CPK full time and that's going to be my life. And, uh, for now, you know, uh, until I figure out what it is that I want to do. Right. But yeah, you know, um, there was a, uh, a lovely woman named Felicia Walker who would come into CPK she would come in and she worked at a PR company. Um, and you know, we struck up a conversation and I liked her and she was like, you know, if you want to come in for an interview to intern, that'd be nice. And, um, I really like Felicia Walker. I, 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 you know, she's, I, I, she's on the list of people I will never, ever forget. Um, so I thought, okay, well, if she's a reflection of this agency, then maybe I'll go in. And I got the internship. And of course, the first item of business was they were moving from, you know, Beverly Hills to West Hollywood. And they're like, here's a bunch of VHS tapes that need to go in the cardboard boxes and uh, have fun. (laughs) But whatever, I knew I I knew I needed to get back into it. And, um, you know, I was an intern there for a while. And then they uh, offered me the role of receptionist. And to this day, if I like actually think about the feeling of getting to quit my restaurant job 
And when I got my first full-time check as receptionist, like I will actually cry because I just felt like I had achieved what it was that I told my dad that I thought I could. And I'd still, it was, you know, maybe a year and a year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, uh, people definitely was like, she's different. And I think that has stuck with me my whole career of like, I'm just not what you expect of someone in Hollywood uh, certainly on this side of it, right? Like in the PR, where I think you think of like the folks you see on, you know, how they're portrayed in TV shows, you know, whether it's like Debbie Mazar and Entourage, uh, Lee Schreiber in that show, I'm blanking, where he's like that publicist. They're always like very serious, very intense, and like they're here to like fix your shit, you uh-huh. know, protect you. Um, and I'm just more playful and ridiculous than that, but I'm also still very effective. And it's weird. And I well, think, I think that's, that's kind of my thing really, really good advice for getting ahead, especially in like a world where there's so many people, right. Um, when like applying for a job can just feel like, you know, just the longest shot possible to landing something. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I had recently given somebody that advice where, you know, just like you said, be different. It's like, try and find a way to stand out. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that sounds like Mm -hmm. the dumbest and like, no challenging thing. Cause it's like, how do you stand out from, you know, a bunch of people, but I, I think to observe who you're around and then just try and think like, how can I be different? Also just being yourself, you know, mm-hmm. if you have a unique personality, I think it's really mm-hmm. important to like hone in on what makes you unique and show mm-hmm. that part of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's really, I love that to say like, be different and to, to own being different. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think that's what really helps you, you know, Mm-hmm. stand out yeah. from the crowd. Yeah. I even think in terms of like the interview process, like you said, right. I interview a lot of people all the time and I'm interviewed by people for, you know, to be hired by them all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's some do's and don'ts, right. I think the most important is kind of what you said, rule of life, life 101, read the room, read the room. And that sounds like way fundamental. It's like, yeah, duh, I know. But actually, do you know? Do you even know what that means to read the room? Like you put it, observe the people around you, but really step back. And I always say, step outside of yourself and step into the shoes of other people and try to understand the space that you're in. And that could be applied to literally so many situations. Um, It goes hand in hand with empathy. And I lead with empathy is I'm just trying to understand what I'm walking into so I can function in a way that makes the most sense for that space, you know? Um, and that takes mindfulness of just like, there, there are people besides you. And I think a lot of folks um, and myself included, it's so easy to kind of get caught in this vortex of like your own thoughts, your own train of thoughts, you know, and to spiral. And then you forget there's like so much else that needs to be considered when you're going into a job interview, right? I also feel like there's a good way to stand out and a bad way to stand out. Um, And I'll say good and bad. I'm sure there's other words, but I'll just say that. Um, When I get emails from people that want to work at my company and they start with like the most insane sentence Mm -hmm. of like, you didn't know what you've been missing this whole time at Metro PR because I haven't been there. You know, it's like, okay. I understand what you're trying to do, but that's going to be a no for me. You know what I mean? Cause you didn't read the room. You didn't read the room. Right. You probably read some article that was like 
send in a cover letter with the really impactful first sentence. It's like, mm, okay, yes, but like, let's interpret that properly. The best thing to do when you're trying to appeal to anyone, whether it's a job interview or any interview or just anything is research them properly. Megan Dunn, who set up this interview for me is literally such a pro because she's constantly researching, right? It is understanding the language of a country before you go there. It's the same principle of like, learn some shit before you land. Don't just land not knowing how to say the basics, not having their local currency in your pocket. Why would you do that to yourself? You're going to go further if you come prepared, right? Yeah. So that kind of leads into healthily feeding into the ego of the person you're talking to. Everyone has an ego. You have an ego. I have an ego. Everyone has an ego. Um, And we're humans. So we respond to when people uh, acknowledge our ego and again, healthily feed our ego. And so as an example, when people come to me and they say, I want to work for Metro, I read this article about the company and where it came from and the whole vibe and the, the, the history of you and your business partner. And I really resonate like that, that I, I really connect to that. Like, I feel like I can contribute to the energy and the culture of your company that mm-hmm. lets me know that they've taken the time to research me so much so that they're actually citing an article about my company. That's right. in a healthy way, stroking my ego, mm-hmm. you know, and then don't use words that you don't say in everyday life. Like my least favorite word might be utilize because no one actually says utilize, you know, (laughs) it's just a small thing, but like, just write like you talk, Mm -hmm. especially we're a communications company, write the way you speak. You know, I want to feel who you really are. I don't want to feel this like heavily edited version of you trying to be someone that you think I need you to be, you know, it's like that sort of thing. It's like, be genuine, be different, be real and also come prepared and you will you will be set. That's literally all it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I sincerely hope that people, uh, you know, whoever's listening takes away all of the, di- like everything you talked about with your journey to, you know, becoming now just co-founders of this company. I think, I hope everybody really pays attention to that because, and you brought up social media before and it's so true. I mean, I go online all the time and it's like, Hey, here's five steps on how to be a girl boss. And I'm like, I, I have to like immediately swipe out of the app. Cause I'm like, that's like, life isn't just steps. And then, Oh, you have a new title. Um, it's, it's a process and it's a journey. And even the word journey sounds corny, but it's a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really messy and you have a lot of setbacks. Mm-hmm. You have those mm-hmm. phone calls where you're just crying your eyes out because you know, something didn't someone broke their right. word yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I think all <sighs> yeah. those things are really important and what I love about your whole you know history with this is that you you know founded this company with no investors no connections but because of all the experiences you went through as a young adult you know growing and then you know all the different projects and people that you worked for and worked with um, it was all those things that helped you, you know, mold and craft. It was your experiences that helped you mold and craft this company. So I love, I love that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, and that brings me, I guess, to this second chapter of the conversation, which is that you just, you know, started a whole new business venture and mm-hmm. you started your own beauty brand, which mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I'm very curious as to how that also came about um, because, you know, you work in PR, you work with a lot of brands. 
what inspired you to create your own? Mm-hmm. It's kind of going back to the, the interest meets frustration is my like ignite or my ignition or whatever. Um, I would say why cosmetics is the culmination of 17, 18 years of being in the underbelly of the media machine. And in the underbelly, you see the positives that come out of the media machine and you see the rawest, rawest form of negative that comes out of it. And uh, I honestly think that's probably why I am so jaded beyond my years is because since I've been a teenager, I've been in this machine and seeing how it works. And it's, it's scary. Mm -hmm. It's scary. I think there are a lot of great journalists out there that are doing, you know, God's work, if you believe in God, which I do, um, and breaking stories that are really important. The machine separate of the journalists is a scary machine. And um, so I've been in that for 18 years, plus five or six years that I've worked in the beauty industry through PR and communications. And, you know, I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm frustrated. There's a correlation between media and the traditional beauty industry, which is taking shape. Like, I mean, it, it is starting to reshape. Like I think with the emergence of indie beauty and like brands that speak to a more um, uh, inclusive audience, right? And someone like Rihanna and Fenty who completely changed the game as far as inclusion with shade range. And like the, that was like the first domino into I think a lot of great things that have happened. Outside of that, the beauty industry continues to be predominantly older white male owned uh, and influenced. And I think there's a correlation of like, why is my thesis on this? Like why is and why cosmetics between the media industry and the beauty industry and why it is that so many young women that I meet and uh, frankly, women of all ages um, seem to not fully be in touch or realize with how powerful they are. Mm -hmm. And it frustrates me. I think women are the most incredible beings. And I say that beyond just like, I believe in the divine feminine. I mean, you hear that all the time, but I'm like at its core, why is it that so many women are not leaders, you know, and seem to not be fully aware of how amazing and powerful they are. And I'm like, Hmm, well, I've been inside the media machine and I know that has something to do with it. And I've been inside the traditional beauty industry, which really has so many women. And of course there are, um, you know, there's more than just women that consume makeup. And I totally recognize that I'm speaking specifically about that group, but beauty is inclusive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, it should be inclusive. In fact, I was part of, you know, breaking the beauty boy movement, you know, um, with some of the early beauty boy influencers and really fighting so hard to get them recognition in the press. Like that was something that I, I did for years, which is part of where my education comes from. So I, I see that and I, I respect it. I think as it relates to women, the traditional beauty industry has us chasing our tails, you know, f- so hyper-focused on values and standards and ultimately like a self and like a pressure to be a certain way that is both painful and distracts us from how powerful we are. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what if there was a brand that remedied this, you know, where it was like every product was about reimagining the beauty routine and like making sure it's a moment of anyone who's using the product, especially women 
um, and anyone who's marginalized, which if you're, if you have a makeup bag, you're probably marginalized in general, just to remind you how powerful you are and how you deserve um, more and how you shouldn't be afraid to ask for more and want more. I think that the conversation I have constantly with women, especially in this industry is about negotiating, you know, whether it's, it's always about money, right? right? And how many women come to me and they negotiate against themselves. So they're too scared to ask for, you know, X amount of money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always have the conversation and I always say, do you think there's any man on earth right now having this conversation? You know, I was talking to someone about quoting a client and, you know, we got a range for what they were willing to pay. And her instinct was go to the, the lowest end of the range. And I was like, why? Right. But by, by the way, that's why it's called why cosmetics is when you ask why it's a prompt to realize that it shouldn't be that way. I should mm-hmm. probably put that out there. Why is the North star word? If you ask why you will get to the root of why not. And then you just go. But I said, why would you, they gave you a range. Why are you at the bottom? Mm-hmm. She was like, well, you know, I don't know. I'm just not sure that we're going to deliver you know, to the fullest capacity because of these challenges with the campaign. I was like, I have to stop you right now. Do you think any man in this industry has ever said that? No, they would take all the money and then some, and whether they deliver or not, they're not going to lose sleep over it and they move on. So why are we not operating in that fashion? Of course we must deliver and we always do deliver, but why are we going in so defeated? You know, and then through that, she was like, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll ask for more. I was like, that's right. And you're worth it. By the way, you're the best in the business and you are going to knock this out of the park. Look at your track record. I mean, do I really need to remind you that like you're batting 500? Like mm-hmm. you're going to be fine. Take the money and feel good about it. And so that's just one piece of the conversation. And that is integrated into the messaging and the experience of Bio cosmetics is just um, a gentle self-check to make sure that you are aware of what you deserve, your power, and, you know, um, ultimately to create like an army of people, women, um, that are gonna, I don't know, I don't know, just (laughs) dismantle the patriarchy. I don't know. Is that, is that too tall of an order? (laughs) Never too tall. (laughs) And I I love the meaning. That's what I was going to ask you sort of how, uh, your reasoning came about for the name, why cosmetics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that because I think we do, especially as women, um, we, we create reasons, you know, for why we shouldn't do something. Um, you know, we put limitations on ourselves all the time. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's like, why? Why? Yeah. Literally, why? Like, Literally, why? why? That? Like, why? Like, yeah, I completely, yeah. I love that whole reasoning behind that because it's so true. It happens. Mm-hmm. It happens to me like every day. Mm-hmm. I, I do something or say something. And then later on, I'm like, why did I limit myself? Why did I cut myself short? Mm-hmm. Um, why I, did I, I, yeah. I would say, I, I mean, I will tell you why. One is women, we're just very intellectual and sometimes it works against us. We, we are the smarter of the two. And that's just science. That's not, that's not even me. Um, and two, the media industry, um, how women are portrayed in TV, film, whatever it is, uh, for the most part, right? You have like heroes like 
Gina Davis, who's made it a career to like only take roles where the women, you know, where she's playing a powerful character, right? Mm-hmm. And she has a whole foundation that champions like portraying women in ways that send a good message, right? We need more of that. But to date, there isn't a lot of that. Like, even if you go back and rewatch Sex in the City, which is, by the way, why I even entertained PR. I was like, Samantha Jones is everything. When you rewatch it, you're just like, man, I get that this is entertaining, but is this shining the most positive light on women, you know, and how women interact with each other? I don't know, you know? So I think it's just like, we spin in circles because we're very intellectual. We don't have a lot of examples to go to. Again, I do feel that that's changing, but historically we really haven't, you know, we don't have people to look up to or heroes, you know, it's always like, women are just portrayed in a way that's so limited and not even an accurate reflection of what our abilities are, you know, what our potential is, um, you know, and then add the beauty industry and the underbelly of social media um, where it's just kind of like this quest for perfection and like idolizing celebrities and influencers that completely edit who they are before they share it with us and aren't maybe the most forthcoming with that edit. And then it's like, we're holding ourselves to just this, again, it, it's, it's, it's painful beyond everything else you want to say about it. There's so many conversations happening around, you know, filters and, and all that stuff. To me, the bottom line is it's, it's harmful. It's harmful to us. It's harmful to all women, especially women of, uh, you know, y- um, younger ages. And I just want this brand to be a check, you know, Right. Well, yeah. And I love that that's sort of at the forefront of what you're doing. I mean, I was checking out your site and I, first of all, love, you know, everything behind the, um, as you said before, the inclusivity of it. Um, also the affordability, cause that's a big issue that, you know, I find sometimes I'm like, oh, especially when it comes to clean beauty, you know, I want to make sure I'm using products without fragrance, but do I have mm-hmm. to do it at $300 for, you know, mm-hmm. a cleanser or mm-hmm. you know, mascara, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I love what you're doing and I'm, I'm interested to hear, I guess, what are your, cause it's a very new company. So mm-hmm. what are your plans with it? What are your hopes with it? Um, are mm-hmm. you sort of letting it organically take a shape of its own? I'm, I'm curious mm-hmm. to hear your, your plan. <laughs> That is the million dollar question. What am I doing with it? Um, well, in true fashion, I'm going to be very honest. Um, it's been a, it's been a rocky start, right? It's just, it's just me self-funding it and it launched and then the pandemic came and, you know, obviously there's been some challenges. I put a lot of money into it and I felt like things that I thought would work weren't working. And I'm not using the pandemic as an excuse, even without a pandemic, it's still, it was, it wasn't gelling as much as I thought it would, to be honest. And I'm sharing this because I think it's important for people to know, like Mm -hmm. success is something that comes from falling over and getting back up, falling over and getting back up. It's like, how much do you want it? Okay. Then get back up. If you don't want it then stay down. And, you know, I kind of, at the beginning of this year was like, all right, are we really going to do this? Are we really, it's been two years and it it hasn't quite clicked. Are we, are we going to do this? And I, um, I took six months, uh, off from proactively working on new stuff. And I just needed to like have honest conversations with myself and say, why am I doing this? Right. Why am I doing this? 
And just because there's a lot of money put in it to, so uh, just, just because there's a lot of money already invested in it, that's not a reason to keep going right in poker. They call that full tilt when you put in so many chips and now you're just nervous that you put all your chips in and then you lose everything. Um, but I kind of realized, yes, I want to do this. This is literally like a physical representation of everything that I've been through for the last 20 years. I, I want to do it. Okay. Then why is it not working? And then I realized, I think I have a packaging problem. And what I realized is my packaging doesn't really tell the story of the brand and the ethos. And also it doesn't look like beauty packaging. And then I had to kind of take inventory of all the mistakes I made in the beginning, everything I did wrong. And that's really hard. It is so much more convenient mm-hmm. to just lie to yourself and be like, well, I did my best. Like, okay, I tried. I made a lot of mistakes and I think this is where a lot of entrepreneurs go wrong is the first couple years, typically you're going to burn a lot of money and make a lot of mistakes. Now to stop there is unfortunate because now you've paid all this money for what's effectively data that you can then use to try again, but this time be well-informed, right? A lot of people just stop there because like it didn't work. It's like, of course it didn't work. It was your first swing, right? Take what you've learned and try again. Um, So I'm in the process. I realized I I missed a very crucial step in, in, in the beginning of this project, which is I did not hire a seasoned graphic designer, kind of creative director type person to help me turn the message of this brand into a package. And like, we, we buy with our eyes and I'm like, how do you miss that step? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, how, how do you, how do you even miss that step? But I did. But I, yeah. But I think to your point, I think it takes sort of making those mistakes to realize, oh, okay, well I, I screwed up. Yeah. Um, and then again, to your point too, like finally, I think it's much harder to admit to yourself what you did wrong than like having somebody else tell you and point it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's important to tell yourself and sort of identify yeah. your own problem and then go out there and solve it. Yeah. And this is actually a really common theme that comes up with women specifically uh, through my career in the last 20 years is I find, and I, I'm not trying to make a generalization. I know that that upsets a lot of people. This is really based on my own experience and observations for 20 years, right? Is I find that a lot of women are so scared of making a mistake, you know, so scared of failure or ultimately letting other people down. I'm scared to let people down. And again, no man is saying this. Let's just put that out there. Um, But when I hear that, I'm like, okay, so you make a mistake and, Mm -hmm. and then what happens? Well, I don't know. I want to know like what happens you like the word, like in PR, one of the worst things that could happen is you lose a client. Okay. I mean, shitty, but it happens. There will be more. This isn't the end of you or us or this company or life. We just don't work with that client anymore. And then it's like the acknowledging that like life goes on. You're going to be okay. Mistakes are perfectly healthy and normal. It is the best way to learn uh, in general. It's the best way to learn about yourself, the situation. Like I didn't need college. I just made mistakes. And that was all the information I needed, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm okay with making mistakes. I don't define myself as a loser or, or a failure. And I don't lose, lose sleep over disappointing people. 
I have grace with myself. I understand that I'm not perfect. I try not to make the same mistake twice. I know that I've made a ton of mistakes. I just turned 37. I will make a lot more mistakes and, um, and that's okay. I'm going to be just fine, you know? And I think that's something that's so important that I want people to hear also through this brand and through beauty, especially is like being perfect. Isn't even a real thing. And you're just paralyzing yourself by not taking the leap and trying something like who, like, who are you really going to let down? If anyone's let down that you made a mistake, then that person's not even your friend anyway. You know what I mean? Right. I think a big part of, you know, taking risks too, is you have to know yourself. Um, You have to really know yourself. And then once you know yourself, you can then believe in yourself. Um, So true. Oh, so true. And if you fall flat on your face, I mean, that's what happens. But at least like, you know, you did it with like full belief in yourself that you could do it. But yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see what you continue to do with it. Thank you. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm redoing the packaging realistically, you know, can you buy stuff now? Absolutely. And if anyone listens to this and wants to buy it, disclaimer, I know the packaging's not cute. Okay. I know I'm working on it, but by supporting me and supporting the brand, you're supporting the next generation of why, cause I am just self-funded. Um, but if you also want to wait until it's cute, I get that too. I didn't come here to sell. I, I do hope that, um, uh, I plan that for early next year is when all the new packaging and the two new products that I'm working on that I'm very excited about will come out. But uh, the packaging direction is fucking fire. I'm really excited about it. It's unlike anything I've seen. It totally gets the message across. And um, yeah, I, I just, I'm just trying to have fun with it. Right. I think that's, you have to find fun in it. Otherwise don't do it. And uh, I've, this why cosmetics was not as fun as it should have been until I stepped away for six months and obviously had an inner conflict of like, you're lazy and you're not doing anything. You're not taking it seriously. You waste all this money. Like, of course I hear those voices, but you know, I'm like, chill, chill, chill. We need to step back, reassess, and we need to figure out how to have fun here. And I, I actually feel like I have. And so I'm really enjoying the process now, which I think will make for a different outcome. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, the beauty industry is only growing. And I think one true positive that's come out of this pandemic is that people care a lot more about self-care now than they did before. Mm -hmm. So I think when it comes to beauty, um, I think those results are going to show. So I'm excited to see what you continue to do with it. And also just with everything you've done um, with Metro, it's wonderful. Um, For those who want to follow along with both of those endeavors, um, how can they do that? Sure. Um, I'm like, I, I should post more on my personal. Um, so my personal Instagram is Miss Finkel. So M S and then my last name, F I N K L E. Um, and then Y cosmetics is just at Y cosmetics. Y as in the letter Y cosmetics. Um, and then also, if you want to see the cutest dog on earth, I adopted a senior earlier this year. And I honestly, like I already had two dogs. I never dressed them up. I don't create Instagram. I'm like, I'm not, but I had to create Instagram. I must plug Wookie. <laughs> uh, so it's W-O-O-K-I-E-E dot dog. He's the cutest senior dog you've ever seen your entire life. And he is everything. He's my muse. He's, he's now my muse. I love a good dog account. I love a good dog account. <laughs> Please follow. Yeah. And then whycosmetics.com is the website. Uh, and then Metro Public Relations, obviously, that's a very active account. If you want to see what we're doing. Also, if you're interested in, in uh, working for us, 
um, just reach out to me. My email address is all over the internet. Um, reach out and then really write a compelling cover letter, please. I, I will know whether you listen to this whole interview or not based on the cover letter. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I love the advice you gave. And I, like I said, I really appreciate you sharing that whole story actually, because it, it's such a true story as somebody who, you know, worked in media. Um, I, you know, could relate to it on, on so many levels. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, success doesn't just happen overnight. It's a really long, grueling process. There's fun parts along the way, but you know, you, you do have to shed some tears and you do have to put in the work. Um, it's not, you know, a simple journey. I mean, I guess it is for some people, but you know, for most of the world, it is not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I hope Dua Lipa puts out a book and here's why. Everything I've heard about Dua Lipa, I was like, what did you do in a past life to be so charmed? I mean, you were born, you know, this just like Amazon oh, glamorous, yeah. you know, you were recruited to be a model at the age of like nine or whatever. And then every record label was like fighting for you to be their pop star. And now you're in with the Hadids. I just want to know what was her struggle or what did she do in a past life? I think we deserve to know this. I agree. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Dua Lipa, your life is so charmed. I need to know what's really happening. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, I'd for sure read that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, well, Taz, thank you for coming on. Before you go, though, I always like to ask, you know, with this being handling it, do you have a piece of advice or a lesson that you've learned throughout your career that's really helped you, you know, handle your life? Yes. Always ask why. Always ask why. Even when I dropped out of college and my family was like, you're going to amount to nothing. You need this. You need this. You need this. And I kept saying, why? Why do I need a degree? Why? And literally no one had a compelling answer. I'm like, I'm going to keep on my path. Always ask why. Yeah, I, I really, really like that. I loved hearing, you know, the naming reasoning behind the brand. I think why that's such a good question. We ask ourselves that and, and mm-hmm. you know, we create all these reasons for why we shouldn't do something. But yeah. Yeah, we got to go do it. <laughs> we have to. Like, why? Like, why? Why are you not doing this? Why? And then well, when you get to the root of it, yeah, it's it's always like a bullshit reason. So you should just do it. Completely agreed. Um, and thank you again so much for coming on. I really appreciate thank it. You. Thanks for listening to my TED talk. <laughs> Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Tess. I loved having her on and hearing how she founded both Metro PR and Y Cosmetics. And her story really is proof that if you have a passion that you really want to pursue, then go after it. Now there are social media handles and links in the episode description below for both Metro PR and Y Cosmetics if you're interested in checking them out. Thank you to Tess so much for coming on and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.